Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. To do it. Well, we're going to find I'll, out. I'll definitely hit you up. All right, I'm going to hit the intro and then we'll get started. All right, bro. Welcome to another live episode of the Wisco Fanatic Show, where we discuss the Packers, Box, Brewers, Badgers football, and basketball from an optimistic perspective. Wisco Fanatics is brought to you by Cardboard Legacy, Wisconsin's most complete sports card shop. Buy, sell, grade, and consign all at their location in Oshkosh. Alrighty, so we are back on another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. I would apologize for being sick last week. Not really out of, not really in my control, but <laughs> Uh, we're back, and we got Scary Alvarez with us again. Uh, it's been a while. I think the last time we talked to him was last fall. So, uh, Scary, have you had some uh, had some good guests on since the last time we talked? Absolutely. Absolutely some great guests. Actually, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, the pod's continuing. We had we had Monty Ball on in this week's episode. Uh, Wisconsin, bad, you're always a Badger, but for, at, at, you know, former Wisconsin superstar running back who had some – some issues several years back with substance abuse has, has, you know, crawled out of that and got to a really great place in his recovery. Uh, and doubt now he's out in Colorado and he's, uh, you know, still a Wisconsin fan, but he's, he's starting uh, a business to, you know, an outreach business to help people who are in, who are having some tough times and just a, it's great to see where he is now and just a, such a positive, happy guy. Uh, and it was fun to relive the the good old days too, when Wisconsin had the best backfield in, in NCAA history with uh, uh, him, James White, and Melvin Gordon. Wild. <clears throat> All righty, so let's let's jump into last night's game because then then we're going to talk about the storylines from after. So, Mike, I'm going to go to you first. What stood out to you from last night's game? Uh, yeah. So for, first, call out. Um, it's the slow starts that we've had this year. Um, and a lot of pivotal games, unfortunately. Uh, we talked a lot about this in the foot during the football season, as we know. Uh, that killed us as well. Um, you know, and it really gets me because Wisconsin had a week to prepare for Indiana as well. Indiana was also on a four-game winning, oh, excuse me, losing streak going into this this game. I get it, they're desperate, but I would also argue that this bat our team is also very desperate as well at this point. Because, you know, March is when you want to start playing your best ball. We needed a good quality win on the road, in my view, and we just couldn't get it done, unfortunately. But um, that just leads to, you know, slow starts. We got, we dug ourselves in a hole, got down at 15 at one point. Um, it seems like teams, we seem to be the team that we're like a get right game for a lot of opponents now, too. It seems like I've, I, with the way we've been playing, even the some of the wins that we've been generating, it just seems like we haven't been quite all the way there so um you know you look at like a slow going back to slow starts purdue was a slow start tennessee was a slow start michigan was awful in the beginning Rutgers, which we gave up 24 first half points in the paint which i know jake is going to touch on, on with, with the paint defense but uh, and even penn state as well just getting off the slow starts like this just puts us in a bind and especially when you're on the road um it's definitely hard to you know, crawl back from and play a complete game to get a, to get a win. I know we did eventually get back in this game, but it still doesn't help us what whatsoever. So, um, you know, when Indiana comes out, they make 13 of 18, their first 18 shots. Their big man obviously went off. Um, 
and it led them to shooting 62% for the for, from the floor, which is absolutely crazy, you know. Um, and I do think a lot of this does have to, to, to do with controllables as well. And I'm ma- mainly going towards the defensive side when I say that. Jake and I talked about this last week. Um, you know, play defense, make free throws. And I know free throw line didn't really – I we didn't shoot much. But the defensive part is what I'm kind of going towards. But, um, no, it's something we have to clean up, especially going into March when we got Illinois and Purdue and even Rutgers lurking. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and then I'll just jump into my second takeaway. I am going to take this from a more positive standpoint. Uh, I was really impressed with John Blackwell, you know, last night. Uh, 23 minutes. I mean, if it's not his top, if it's not the most minutes he's played in a game, it's got to be pretty damn close, I would say. Um, I think he had one game where he played like 28, but I'll check while you keep talking. Yeah, it's got to be close. But um, anyway, no, he looked great. Uh, 11 points, three rebounds, one assist, one steal. Um, Once he came in, he gave a quick jolt of energy to this team, which going back to that slow start, it's what we needed. Um, And you can tell just play. He's just got, I mentioned this last week again, he has an outstanding for a freshman. He's got one hell of an IQ, um, you know, in the in college playing college ball already. I feel like he's got a good feel for the flow, for the game, for the flow in general. Um, and he played with a sense of urgency too. I, the, the, he was going one-on-one with, um, with Indiana's freshman, like their star freshman what was it in, in Gab, Gabaco. Um, I forget, I don't know how to pronounce his name or whatever, but they were duking it back and forth. Good one-on-one battles. Um, but it was just good energy on his end. And, and it's something that we need, especially with this team. I honestly, you know, I, it would not shock me if he played 20 minutes plus the rest of the season, even going into the tournament, because he brings that energy and it's something that we need. And he's one of those guys that, you know, he like a Chucky Hepburn, he plays with that that urgency, plays with that energy defensively, and it's something that we're going to need. So looking at it, he's got a couple games where he played 26, a couple 25s and a couple 24s. So okay. 23 isn't far off of what he's done. Uh, for like the most that he's played, but um, yeah. Um, Reggie, James, how are you guys doing? Uh, Jake, what about you? What stood out to you from last night? A few things. Uh, first of all, welcome back, Tyler. Shame on you for being sick last week, man. Mm. Um, <laughs> to be straight up with you, it's not 100% gone either. I've been sick for like a week and a half. Well, it doesn't help when we hit 72 and then we're back down to 22. A 50-degree difference can really mess mm-hmm. with the immune systems. But we're going to get back to a team – that is playing inconsistent right now, and it's kind of frustrating to watch. Uh, it's frustrating as a fan, and I'm sure it's frustrating as a player and a coach. But one thing that I think that definitely needs to improve, I got two things that need to improve if they want to make a run in March. First thing I got is ball movement. We had 10 assists on 30 made shots. That's basically one-third. That's that's not good enough for a team that runs the style of offense that we run. should almost and double that. It should be. And when you compare it to the opponent, Indiana, who Mike touched on a couple points I was going to bring up, they were struggling offensively. They were shooting bad. Uh, they were they were on a losing streak. And didn't matter if they were home or away, they were playing bad basketball. And when you compare the 10 assists on 30 field goals for the Badgers to their 17 assists on 29 made shots, it sounds disgusting. And when you bring up the percentages, it sounds worse. 30% for the Badgers, 58% for Indiana. Indiana's offense was humming. And something that 
you know, contributed to that because their ball movement was good was our paint defense. Was not good at all. These are my two points. Ball movement and paint defense. You could tell the Badgers offense when we made our run right before the fire alarm was, you know, strategically pulled or whatever, whatever happened. Um, Chucky Hepburn was starting to move the ball a little bit. More people were touching it. And the offense looked a little bit more fluid, right? And then you get into the paint defense. Uh, the big man, somebody correct me. What's his name? Khalil Ware. Khalil Ware. He started eight of eight. Two of those were jump shots. So he yeah. was six of six starting in the paint in the first half. I'll live with the jump shots. I will live with the jump shots as well. Two for two. Congratulations. Good job. You yep. made them. But allowing that man to get into position to go six for six to start the game was absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. No adjustments. Three people around him. It didn't matter. We got to be tougher. Okay? Are we the Wisconsin Badgers or not? We got to move the damn ball, take smart shots, and we got to play tough defense. Those are the those are the three things that I I have grown up on. I've known as the Badgers. Now, do I want them to play faster pace to kind of get with the times? Yes. I thought they, they could have used some of that yesterday as well. Played a little bit faster, you know, because when Indiana was was setting into their half court defense, it was tough for us to score because we were doing a lot of one-on-one. And that goes back to the ball movement. Get people involved, play team defense. Let's be the Badgers. Okay. That that's what I'm looking for. I have a couple numbers I want to throw out to you real quick. On field goal percentages, Indiana actually ranks very high uh, when you look at them nationally. They rank 32nd in the nation. Now, you're talking about decimal points here when you're separating some of these. Mm-hmm. But they're at 47.85 field goal percentage, you know, as a team. That's not just the paint. That's everything. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, that's, that's good. Then when you look at Wisconsin, Wisconsin is ranked 93rd at 46.11. Even that's not bad. That's not bad. But then when you look at the defensive ranks, Wisconsin ranks 304th in field goal percentage out of 351. 45.8%. They are almost dead even on both things. They need to move the ball. They could raise that a couple decimal points. Their offense is fine. I really don't have a problem with it. But the defense, we can't be ranking anywhere in the 300s. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not I'm not with that at all. I would say so, 200s even. Yeah. Right. You need um, to be in the top half is what I would say. Yeah, th- there's some things to improve. And I wanted to touch on the thing that Mike said about free throws. The free throw disparity was way too big for how physical both teams are being. That's just Dude. my opinion. If, if, I, if you're going to let them be physical, let them be physical. get started on that because if I open that can of worms, they're just going to spill out. It's going to be like putting like four Mentos in a bottle of Diet Coke if we start on that. <laughs> All right. Close it. <laughs> so the two things that I want to say. First of all is A.J. Storr. He got off to a slow start. Mike brought up the slow starts already. But he stayed aggressive, and he was a really big part of the Badgers' offense in the second half, I would say, similarly to John Blackwell. Yeah. And the thing is, is that (laughs) – James said we don't like worms. That's why we keep them in cans. Um, The thing is, is that he made two huge buckets in the second half, back-to-back. He made a pull-up jump shot about 16 feet, and then he made a three-pointer. Both of those to tie the game. Both huge shots. And then with the or the Badgers down two, he took a three and he missed it. I'm going to live with that shot, and I'm also going to live with A.J. Storr being two for three on really clutch shots. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to hold any ill will against him. My other thing with A.J. Storr, and this can be a Greg Gard point, is that A.J. Storr, for a guy who's 6'7", and as athletic as he is, when you're facing a team 
that has two good big men. I would like to see AJ Store take the mentality of I need to help my big men, Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell. I need to help them on the boards this game. Greg Gard has previously challenged AJ Store to rebound better, and AJ Store finished this game with one rebound. Yeah. There's really no reason a guy who's six foot seven and as athletic as he is should finish a game with one rebound, especially in a game where you could use, you know, the mindset. And, and I said this to Jake last night. I'm like of having the Bill the Bill Russell mindset of what does my team need from me this game, and facing two big men to help your guys out with the rebounding. Yeah. Just crash the boards. Yeah, exactly. And then my other one is is winning on the road in the Big Ten. It's so damn hard. Literally, Purdue is the only team in the Big Ten that has a winning record on the road at six and three. Every other Big Ten team has a, a under 500 road record. Um, James, I respect Bill Russell absolutely. So the <laughs> the Big Ten as a whole has played 131 road games. The road team has won 40. Jesus. The entire Big Ten collectively is 40 and 91 on the road. That's pretty bad. It's, it's, honestly, it's a little eye-opening. Um, scary on last night's game specifically. Uh, what stood out to you before we get into some questions here? Oh yeah, hold on. Sorry, I just, I just, y'all were talking for so long. I, I just bought a wine island when you guys were, were talking nice. there. Um, so yeah, no, it's fine. It's, it's, it, I got, I got a good deal on it. It's, it's near Costa Rica. Um, you guys are welcome to go down during, during monsoon season. Sweet. Um, yeah, sure thing. Yeah. So I mean, I, I echo a lot of what we all said. Um, this is the thing that I, I brought up earlier today on, on Twitter, but you know, we talked about the slow starts. Uh. You know, you guys talked about that. Another thing, and this is in contrast even to last year's team, of which of course didn't even make the NCAA tournament and finished near the bottom of the Big Ten. This team cannot close in close games. Okay, I don't know how they're. And one of the for all the the faults of last year's team, their record in five point games or less was solidly above five hundred. I don't have the stat, stats with me. Usually, I, I have someone paid intern. Uh, Joe Ferguson usually dragging that up for me. I don't. He's not. He's he's doing so. I gave him a day off for the first time this month. Happy leap year on that tomorrow. But um, the Badgers, they can't, it can't, games five points or less. They have their record is not good. I I just I'm telling you that. I know it's not good. Yeah. And the, what I see is for a team with so many good play, and I'm telling you, we can get into the are they talented enough and all this. That this team has the talent to be a good team. That's that's that is not a concern of mine. But there are there's no one who wants to be a closer right now on this team. And I don't know why. They they look like a deer in headlights when the when the brights the, the lights are bright and the score is close inside of two. Starting in that Purdue game, I know there was some some official official stuff that went went south in that game, but you know, and when Nebraska actually happened before that, but they just look like no one wants to make the play. Where's Max Klesman been? Where's yeah. he been? I, I'm not trying to single Max out, but that's an example. That's a that's a really talented guy who, in the first 60% of the season, was showing out and and really doing the things we thought he could do. He's missing, and it's like it's this this is milk carton stuff. I don't know where these guys are. Chucky, by design, last season had to be that guy, and a lot of times it worked. Now he's the. I'm going to pass it one more time. Then it's not going to be me. 
And I don't, and again, I love Chucky. He's super talented. Probably the MVP of this team, very quietly, his defensive presence and his passing, his point guard. I know his, his scoring isn't there, but someone close, someone decide to be that guy. Go grab an offensive rebound, AJ. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. And, you know, you know me, I'm as big a defender of these guys as anyone. Not just because I have a podcast, I'm trying to get them on. Because I genuinely feel that way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am I am the most you know, guard, comma, fire guy out there. And here I am, righteously indignant about the garbage that I'm seeing because I know they're better than this. The players are better. They're, these guys have heart. I've seen it. These guys have talent. We've seen it. Greg Gard is a good coach. We've seen it. But it ain't happening right now. Nobody believes in themselves right now. This is this is between the ears. This is this is. I, I'm just I'm telling you, Wisconsin's problem is between the ears. That's bad did we, news. Did I talk about this like two weeks ago? Where I said we get to a point where guys are feeling like, like they're second guessing themselves, and then you know then you get other guys who are trying to overcompensate for that. Scary on your point about closing. Like I think AJ tried to be that guy last night. Yeah, but you are one thousand percent correct on Chucky. Trying to make one extra pass yeah. very often. It sounds uh, like it, yeah, yeah. I, it sounds like I'm trying to to isolate on these guys. I'm not trying to do. I love these guys. I love Chucky. Mm -hmm. Great family. His dad's a great guy. He's mm -hmm. an AU coach. Th this is the exact kid you want to recruit to be a Wisconsin Badger. So this is mm -hmm. not about that. What I'm telling you is though, this is behind the ears. Now, between the ears, that's the bad news. But here's the good news. It's March in two days. Okay? We know it's getting down there. Things between the ears can flip like a car turning over and starting. Yeah. And it just takes one thing like a, let's say, the, a, a close win over Illinois, which, by the way, I'm calling. As, as mad as I am and as down as I am about this team right now, I'm calling a, a victory over the Illini this weekend. That could turn it around. That's all it takes because the, the, the correct answers are there on the paper. You just need to mm -hmm. rearrange them correctly. Yeah. So as, as angry as all three of us or four of us are about this and as frustrated as we are, I want to be clear, this could turn pretty quick. It doesn't mean it's going to. This could also fly off the off the table, and this could they could lose out. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it's possible. Rutgers well, have beaten Wisconsin the last two times they've been in Madison. This is not, you know, they should win. But where I am is the the X factors and where this is going to go is anyone's guess. But all the answers aren't bad. That's true. Um, I'll say this on the subject of, you know, talking about who they can beat. Like, they've beat top 10 teams a whole bunch of times, especially with Greg Gard as the coach. So it's not something where, like, oh, they haven't done it for – five years they haven't beat a top five team in this long like we're playing number 13 at a team that was a month ago number six so it's been a bad month of basketball but it's not like it's been a bad five years of basketball and on your subject of singling guys out um it's it's to your point it's not to single out any one person not to single out max or chucky or aj there's there's something that everybody on the team can do better to make the team as a whole better no, absolutely. And Steve Strong, I presume he's referring here in the comments. Hi, Steve. Steve Strong, great poor name. Um, they, they. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's in the industry. I don't want to make any presumptions. But, but he says we're not. Be I presume he's talking about we're not beating Illinois. And that I understand. Yeah, it. I mean, that's a not that's fan, so a, a Bears fan. That is poignant. 
I am so sorry, Steve. That's a terrible disability. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I, I feel bad now. I feel like I don't I want to be nicer to him. Um, okay. Well, anyway, I think we're going to oh, beat Illinois. Goodness. I want to hear about this on Saturday. Yeah, no, we're going to beat. I think we're going to beat Illinois. I do. I do think we're going to beat Illinois. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean we're going to beat Rutgers. That doesn't mean we're going to be in the game against Purdue on the road in West Lafayette. But I'm telling you, I, I this is this is my one big call, just like my one big call for the football season was we're beating Ohio State at home. So I'm sure it's going to go great. So just on the subject, <laughs> we're talking about Illinois. We might as well pop it out there. Um, so the the. Badgers play Illinois on Saturday. That's their only game between now and next Wednesday. We usually do two goals for every week worth of games. Obviously, there's only one game. So, um, Mike, I'll give you the floor first so you, Scary can kind of see how we do this. But um, what are what are two goals that you have for the one game? Yeah, so number one, I kind of talked about this, but, you know, we're – like scary it, new month, right? March. We need to, everybody to step up and play with a sense of urgency. And like, and this kind of ties into my second point, but we have to play with a sense of urgency and show the attitude and it can be vocally, it can be on the court. And this goes back to me, like control the controllables. And, you know, I want to go back to our identity, like defensively, like I want to see like AJ store, get on the ground and, and scrap and get a couple loose balls, you know, just play with the urgency with that attitude, you know, especially going in the rest of the way, because, you know, it's the way we're, we're not trying in a good direction, but we do have that opportunity as scary said, going into March where it takes one game and we can turn things around. With that being said, I think, you know, with having these slow starts, it's very important that we have to play with that sense of urgency from start to finish. Like there can't be like, just show, show us that you give a shit from start to finish. And I'm more so, again, going back to that defensive point where you can't control your effort, you know, grabbing those re grabbing those rebounds. Maybe instead of standing out on the top of the key, offensively, you go and crash, you know, just doing like uh, doing that on a couple like extra possessions here and there. And, you know, maybe you get that one offensive rebound and you dish it out to a siege for three or you, you get my point, but we just need to bring that sense of urgency, especially when a team like Illinois is com coming to town that, you know, is at the top of the conference and, and it's a game that we win. I think we're, we, yeah, just bring that urgency. Um, and then number two, I would really love to see some vocal leaders on the court. And when I say that, I would love to see, you know, whether it's a Tyler Wall making a play or a Chucky make a play or Connor, you know, Connor, which Connor had had a couple occurrences where he got after some loose balls last night. Just when when we make plays like on defense specifically, I want them to like maybe let the other team know about it or get the crowd into it after that. Because the Cole Center, the Cole Center, as we all know, at times has sounded like a library where it's really real quiet. However, I think Saturday is going to be a different story. I will also be in attendance. So nice. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna, loud, I'm gonna be loud as shit. Okay. Let's get it. <laughs> I There's going to be wait. one guy yelling and we'll hear it through the TV be like, oh, that's Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, and I hope hope so. I hope I hope the old people tell tell me to sit down because I won't. But uh, <laughs> like at Lambeau Field. Right. But no, I want to see some vocal leaders out there just show, show that and show that sense of urgency. There is no tomorrow. I want to have that mentality, especially into this, for, this first game um, against Illinois because it's a game that we can definitely win. As Scary said, we have the talent for sure. Um we just got to put, put it all together. And, you know, we got three opportunities here, um, mm -hmm. you know, to close that, close it out. Right. And go into big 10 tournament. Hopefully 
get that double buy, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see where it takes us. So Steve said Wisconsin just doesn't have the players. I disagree. They have the players. They just collectively need to be at their best. The Badgers aren't a team. You know, they're not the Badgers of 2021 where Johnny Davis is going to give you 30 or 40 or something. He's going to be, um, yeah. They, they are a team where they need to have, you know, five guys in double figures and hold their opponent under 70 points. Like that's, that's how the Badgers win. So they have the players. It's just, it's honestly, to me, it's a matter of execution. But Jake, what are your two goals for Saturday? It's going to be short and sweet. I talked about the, where was the lack of ball movement. I want I want them to share the ball. You were just hitting on the point that we need five players in double figures. I agree with that. We have the players to do it, get Max involved early. Chucky, Chucky's the point guard, so he has to push the, the right buttons. And that's a lot of pressure on him, but he's talented enough to, to understand that and realize that. Tyler Wall, you've been here for like 19 years, dude. Like, let's go. Uh, Steven Crowell, you've played over 100, 100 games for the Badgers. Like, let's go. Uh, it, a lack of experience is not an excuse at this point. So we need to share the ball. We need to play team basketball. And now I have a question for the Badgers. And it's something that people were a- asking the Bucks just a month ago. Where is the heart? Where is the heart? Everything that Mike was talking about starts right here. If this thing is pumping, you're able to dive on the floor. You're able to go grab an offensive rebound. You're able to box out. You're able to shoot that shot. Okay? If this thing's pumping, you're ready to go. You lace them up. Let's get this thing done. I'm sick and tired of this shit. Let's go. Michael said, I just don't understand how the since the second half of that Nebraska game, our team just doesn't seem the same. I have a feeling it was a psychological issue of sort, confidence. And that's that's what Scary was saying about a between-the-ears thing. Um, and, and I said, you know, guys second-guessing themselves when they get into positions like this. Scary, I'm curious to know. I've said this probably five times since the calendar changed to 2024, and I'll see if you agree with me. I think that momentum is a bigger deal in college basketball than any other sport. 100% agree. 100% agree. And, you know, when I say it's between the ears, I'm not meaning that talent isn't important or good coaching or preparation or effort, mm-hmm. but I, I'm telling you, when they when they <laughs> – when this team yesterday was down five at halftime, they were all saying in their minds, here we go again. I'm telling you, they left that locker room not believing that they could, whereas a previous year's team, even last year's team, I, I feel like they would have they would have had that fortitude to at least battle it down, and the defensive intensity is where that starts. There was so little defensive intensity yesterday. It was it was startling to me. This is I understand we want a more we all kind of it's a, it's a it's a Faustian bargain. We wanted more offense. We wanted a more up tempo kind of thing. You're going to sacrifice some defense there. We all we talked about this in the beginning of the season. It's okay, but not all of it. And you you raised the statistic. I understand you know the Ken Palm number is a little bit better. It's probably in the mid 40s for their defensive efficiency. But that's, that is bottom-of-the-barrel stuff for the Wisconsin Badgers. I cannot remember a team ever in the Ken Palm era that has been that low. I mean, even even the 17-18 the team with Ethan Happ, it was not that bad. So someone needs to step up. And, you know, you, you talked about go get a rebound or something. Yes, that leads into one of my my, my two points, which I which I my uh, unpaid intern wrote down for me. Um, close, closing strong is, is one of them. We talked about that already. Close strong. Don't get to that two minute thing when the game's tied and believe you can't win. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta like do that. But that, that dovetails into this, believe in yourselves. They practice well. They've been, you know, I got people inside the program. They're practicing good. 
this is not this is what is so dispiriting to this is that they're having the good practices in in the week and then they're getting to the games and sometimes the games go okay more likely than not lately they don't go okay and people are genuinely perplexed in the locker room right now about what is going on and they're all trying you know chucky's trying to to smooth it over and be real but ultimately you just you just got to believe in yourself it's between the ears they got to go and say you know when they're going to be I'll just say up by four at halftime against Illinois. Say, come out of that locker room going, we're going to win this fucking game. This is ours. This is our place. 15 to 20% of the people in this crowd have actually gotten off their seats and, and, and stood up and cheered for us today. Um, <laughs> typically the younger ones. Um, and just do it. And I'm telling you, if they beat Illinois in this game, and I say they're going to do it, this could just be look. This that could be just exactly the kick in the ass this team needs. That even a good Greg Gard speech at halftime doesn't do doesn't do for him. It clicks that mental thing back on again, and then it's game on. So whereas it's probably more likely than not this team has seen its best this season, there is a scenario here where this team clicks on, they get back into things, and they close strong, and then they're going to be a problem as a seven seed or six seed in the tournament. They're going to be a big problem. No one wants to see them. Yeah, and that's and to Steve's point, he said the best uh, the best players and guards win games. They just don't have it. Um, it's it's really all dependent on matchups. I mean, when you get to the tournament, and like I just said, momentum is like I said in college basketball. I think a bigger deal than any other sport. So if you get momentum on your side, which is my my main goal, is for the last three games before you get to the the Big Ten tournament, is to build momentum. Uh, there's two top 15 teams in here. One of them is on the road, and then you play Rutgers, which is a pretty decent basketball team. So that said, that's that's kind of where I'm at. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Mike throw out the next question we have for you, Scary, and it relates to an episode that you did after the Badgers loss in overtime to Iowa. By the Here. way, before we thank you so much, I appreciate that. That's good stuff. I keep seeing Steve Strong on here. Okay, I just, I just, I don't want to make too big. He's a fan, and I don't want to alienate anyone on your show. Actually, I don't, I don't give a shit if I do. But um, <laughs> Steve's talking. This guy, whose team just, just lost at Penn State, is is cocking off about how they're gonna, they're gonna come and blow Wisconsin out of Madison. I understand that we're all, you know, we're all, you know, six six two fifty behind the keyboard, and I get all that. But the reality is. There was a world where Illinois wins this game, and it's not shocking. They're a very good basketball team, well-coached, a lot of talent. I mean, Terrence Shannon Jr. could fuck off, but whatever. But there was was a very real possibility Wisconsin wins this game, and and just the confidence of these – it's just like this hyperbole. It's fine. Steve, you could be a great guy. I'm not trying to to come down on you. But, like, I I would love to do a side bet using Jake's money. So let's do that. But uh, anyway, anyway, as you were – you were asking, asking me something that was important. Yeah, it's uh. Well, thank you for, for that. Yeah, and we're thirteen at two and two at home, mind you, with losses to a very good Tennessee team and a very good Purdue team. So, and the Big I, Ten is forty and ninety-one on the road. Like I there said, you go. so yeah. Anyway, so we wanted. I wanted to bring up. You know, Jake and I were kind of mentioning this last in last week's show. You've obviously dealt with a lot of this on, on Twitter, as I've seen comments everywhere. But we want to get your thought and perspective on, on Greg Gard. I'm definitely on your side uh, when I when you say Gard, comma, fire. Uh, I got yeah. plenty of friends slash fans that are, like, all over him to be, you know, canned ASAP. So I just want to know, you know, 
depending how the rest of this season goes, you know, good or bad, what are your current thoughts on Greg Gard and like his role right now and how he's doing? Are, are, yeah. You're on Twitter. I presume all three of you are. Yeah. You know that I, I am sort of the, the crucible. I'm the, I'm the absorbing sponge for all the Greg Gard hate. And I feel like I'm being impeached like a witness in a trial right now. Everyone's bringing up my former guard fire tweets and I've become sort of this punching bag for everyone who wants to fire Greg Gard and everyone who's frustrated about the Wisconsin basketball season as if I'm out there playing the game or something. Look, my support for Greg Gard has been very strong, but it's been realistic. It's been based on results. So when someone says Greg Bard is a trash coach and he's never been good, I say, well, he's a Big Ten coach of the year two last four years, two Big Ten titles. Then it pivots to, well, Big Ten titles don't matter. And I pivot to, well, they sure as fuck do. I'm not saying they're as important as winning a national title. They are clearly not. But, yes, a Big Ten title does matter. Mm-hmm. Or else why are you getting mad during Big Ten games, right? It doesn't. You can't have it both ways. Sure. So by any, by any objective measure, other than going up head-to-head with, with Bo Ryan, and really the first nine years are not that dissimilar between the two tenures. Remember, Bo Ryan was on fire Bo watch after falling to Mississippi in the first round of the 2013 tournament. People don't, mm-hmm. people want to forget that. Oh yeah, Bo had one elite eight in his first 11, 12 years at Wisconsin. Several teams that didn't do well in the tournament, and people were saying we got to move on. He can't win in March. Well, what do you do in the last couple, next couple years? I'm not saying that is that is Greg Gard's track. I'm just reminding fans of how fickle they can be about crap like this. Mm-hmm. So getting back to to Gard, um, ultimately the guy at the top is responsible for the efforts, the shot selection the heart, the fire, the ability to close games, all the defensive intensity, all those things. He's not out there playing. He's not shooting three-pointers. And by the same token, you know, we, we can't say that it's not his fault, though. These are his guys. He practices with them. So guard is, guard is responsible for the product that is on the court right now. And right now, this is as, dis, this is as disappointed with Greg Guard coaching, in quotes, as I have been since he started. This is the lowest, that, and, that, and that's still pretty high. Okay, so I want to be clear here. I want to tease this. But he he's, even if it's a case of not having your team win close games and, and losing six of eight, and the, he hasn't been that guy this year. He hasn't, he hasn't done the job he needs to do, if, and, and, and I don't know what to tell you. That doesn't mean, as I said a few minutes ago, he can't flip the switch and turn this around because he is a talented coach. He's got good players. He has a system that is proven. But – Something is broken in the gears right now. I, I know. I mean, it, it just is. Seeing Wisconsin, I'm telling you, when, when the Wisconsin team went up one with nine minutes left at Bloomington against a crappy IU team, even last year or the year before, or the year before, or the year before, I would have said Wisconsin's got this game. I feel very confident. I didn't think they were going to win last night. I didn't. I was not shocked a bit by the end of that game. That's a problem. Yeah. When someone who is as confident as I am, who believes in Greg Gard this much, very much with reason, in my opinion, is starting to doubt it a little bit. So let's play worst-case scenario. I don't think it's going to happen, but Wisconsin loses out, drops the first game of the Big Ten tournament, and 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 shits out as, a, as an 11 or 12 seed. It, there was going to be a conversation with, Chris, with, with McIntosh if that happens. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to be fired, but it's, it ain't Barry Alvarez time anymore. Mac has a different, a different game going on, and – Guard, I would have said before the season, even with a non-tournament performance, was pretty close to untouchable. But the more I think about it, he, he's not. And we're going to have to see something here this next couple of weeks. 
I'm, I'm just telling you for, for that not to be an issue. Right. I don't. Disagree. So I hope it works. I, I hope it works. You ask me my opinion. That's my opinion. I yeah. believe in guard enough to know. I think they're going to beat Illinois this weekend, though. Right. And I and I I'm on the same on the on the same page actually, almost the exact same page. I will say really quick, just on Steve. I know Steve from basketball. Steve is a good guy, and he doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to basketball. He's a little bit of a trash talker, but he knows that. Um, hey, Steve, hey, hold on one second. Hold on. I want to I want to be clear here. I want. Steve, I got no beef with you at all, man. You, you, I, I was responding to, besides your, your cool-ass name, which even though my name, Barry Alvarez, is also a great porn name. Um, <laughs> Steve, I, I believe in your knowledge. But you say something like, Illinois is going to win by 10, Wisconsin can't win, they're not athletic enough. You say things like that. Those are those are provocative statements you're making in a sports talk environment. You are certainly going to hear things back from the panel who are pro-Wisconsin. Wow. So just, you know, this is this is the this is the bee's nest you're in, buddy. That's, that's the yeah, way we are. I just want he to knows, say he knows. He's a little bit he, – he's a hater on Wisconsin sports. Let's let's keep it real. I love Steve. <laughs> Steve's a great guy. I appreciate Steve as, as a person. I've had a lot of great basketball conversations with him, but he's a straight-up hater with Wisconsin sports, man. I have All so right. much sympathy because I heard he was a Bears fan. That makes me feel sad. You, you know sorry. what? The, the funny thing about Steve is for the last five years, I've heard him say that the Bears are going to beat the Packers, and every single time he's been wrong for the last five years. And that just makes me feel good as a person. Well, he's got to be loving Jordan Love emerging as a big-time quarterback. What a, what a dispiriting situation. <laughs> and as I said in, in, in something earlier this week, the, the, the ownership papers of, this, of the city of Chicago were transferred from Rodgers to, to Jordan Love just like that. <laughs> yeah, good. that's got to be tough. <laughs> so, oh. so back on the Greg Garb point, I do agree with you that the rest of this season does pave the way for the conversations to be had. And basically what it comes down to me with Greg Gard is if if you think it's his fault that they are two and six in their last eight games, you also have to give him credit for bringing the team to the number six ranking. You, you can't give all the blame without giving any credit. Like you can't say it's the players that got them to number six and it's Greg Gard that's gotten them out of the rankings. Yes. It, it, it just doesn't work like that. Everybody is – is part of it. Players and coaches are all part of it. So to give yep. blame, you also have to give credit when things are going well. And that is what's going to come down into, you know, into these last, like you said, these last three games of the regular season into the big 10 tournament and into the March madness tournament. Now I agree with you that if they lose all of their last games and they end the game or end the season on a six game losing streak, then yes, there's a conversation to be had. But until that happens, that conversation can't be happening now like all of these games have already been played. 100% agree with you. I want to be clear that's not what I was saying. Again, I'm yeah, still – I, 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 But I know that that's the, yeah. that's the extension that people will go to is that they will expand it. They said, oh, well, if this guy thinks that if they don't win any more games that guard should be fired why don't they just fire him now because that's the that's the way that people just expand what somebody says in one sentence of why don't they just cut the cord now and then they can start the search six yeah. weeks earlier like that's that's where people go to with with their attempted logic well, let me the be games very still clear. have to be played first yeah. let me be very clear as someone who just predicted a win over illinois i do not want greg guard fired i'm not advocating him being fired I'm saying if a worst-case scenario happens that like, very likely will not happen, I'm realistic enough to say those conversations will be had 
mm-hmm. inside the athletic department. I don't know what that means he's going to be fired. I'm telling you, though, that would be a collapse that has never been seen in the history of Wisconsin basketball. That's a factual statement, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, we're, so you know, we're, basically what I'm hearing is, like, you think if things go worst-case scenario, that the, at worst it's going to be, like, 50-50. Yeah, I do think – I don't think – I think if Wisconsin loses out – for anyone who thinks if Wisconsin loses out, it's a foregone conclusion that Greg Gardner's going to be fired. I think they, they're – it's very possible they'll be disappointed. I don't think – I don't I don't believe that is any sort of certainty. I don't think it's even close. But like you said, this was the number six team in the country three weeks ago. So there's something there that's good. And he's in, in some sense, Guard is the victim of the team's success early in the season. This would have been a team that was kind of hovering around – 26 to 40 all season, winning some games, losing some games. I don't think we'd be talking any of this stuff right now nope. if there's no winning streak. Nope. But here we are. And if, if they don't finish strong, that's going to be like two or three and 10 to finish the year. And that's just not not good right. enough. But well, I mean, and then even still, if you look at like where they were predicted to be in the preseason, if, if things had just trended in a better direction instead of so high, low, high, low, low, low. That you know, again, we wouldn't, you know, a lot of these feelings wouldn't be there. And now the, the expectations have gone so far up because they were number six and they've now come crashing down that we're back to fire everybody because it's the quick. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. By the way, I'm not sure where you all were on this, but I think we talked about this. I really did truly, in my heart of hearts, think this was going to be a really good team this year for the same reasons why they looked so good until about three weeks ago. So then falling off the table is just, it, it, I, despite the fact we try and figure out what it is and we're talking about specifics, it is still perplexing to me and totally shocking what has happened. I am stunned at how the season yeah. has turned. I, I preached it. I thought I thought for sure conference, like conference chances, if not pretty damn close, like top two or three. Um, I guess Elite Eight is still possible um, since we are going to go to the tournament, but Got to get our shit together for sure. But, you know, when you have 90% plus scoring returning and you replace essentially Jordan Davis with A.J. Storr and with, you know, we obviously know A.J. Storr's talent level, um, you know, that should set you up for success, right? And then you got two outstanding freshmen that are also in that rotation. So, you know, what are, what are we missing here, you know? But, um, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I am definitely speechless at this point, but I'm definitely in the camp of, if God forbid we go on this collapse, I think conversations will be had, but I think there's zero chance he gets actually fired. I think his seat's warm going, sure. going into next year, his seat's warm if that sure. happens, but I think there's no way he gets canned. Not no matter what happens. I think, I think his seat's warm at, at best, but conversations will be had. Like scary said, right. that's fair. No. So scary. I have a question for you and I'm really interested in your thoughts on this. Uh, who is a player that you think needs to be more consistent, you know, obviously on the good side for the Badgers to make a run uh, in March? Uh, Stephen Crowell. Um, I thought you were going to say. Uh, I, I, and, and again, in some ways I feel like I'm talking about my own, my own grandchildren here, you know, like I, I really like these guys. They're, I have had podcasts with them and talked to them. These are a genuinely good, likable bunch of kids who are very talented. So it always makes me a little bit uncomfortable to single people out. But I think if you got inside Big Steve's head, he would admit the same thing. He's a, he's a quiet but in, very competitive guy. And I don't know exactly what is going on there, but he has not been, in my opinion, his best self on the court the last several games. There's been a couple exceptions. And he's put some points up here and there. It's not, it's not, mm-hmm. but it's some of this defensive, but 
if you get Crowell back to the, the Crowell we saw at various points earlier this season and the Crowell, the Crowell we saw in the NIT last year, he may not do it against Zach Eady, but he can do it against, you know, the kid from Indiana last night. I, I just – I feel um, like there's – yeah, there, I, I think I, I – that's motivated for getting, I think is what the psychologists call that. I forgot the name because I didn't want to hear it again. Um, yeah. I, I think they have more to squeeze from him, despite the fact he's a fourth-year player. I, I think they and, – and he's not. He's certainly not alone, but he is the number one priority. And if you get him right, I think the rest will follow. Yeah. We did a, we did a ranking system, uh, impact meter for you know, the top seven or eight players. And I'm going to be patting my own back here, but I was one that had the highest ranking for Stephen Crowell because I was looking at this team and I'm thinking, like, you know what you're getting from Chucky. You know what you're getting from Max. Like, Max is, is an okay player. He's a shooter. Uh, you didn't really know what to expect from AJ Store, but you knew he was going to be the athlete that had to go downhill, right, and get to the rim. And when I was going down my list and I was making my rankings, I was like, Stephen Crowell is the X factor for this basketball team. If they are going to be a team that's going to make Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four run even, this team is good enough for that, in my opinion. Uh, it's it's going to have to be on the back of the seven-footer who can stretch the floor, right? That's just how basketball works. It's still a big-man game, even though guards may dominate at times and they have the ball more. Basketball has always been a big-man game. Especially You college. cannot win a championship without a good big man. Your best player cannot be a guard. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just how it is. Becky Hammond said it. And I 100% agree. And she singled out Jalen Brunson, and that was kind of mean, but she was right what she said. Yeah, it's fair. Um, so, Scary, as we let's flip to the other side of the coin. So, we've talked about the worst case scenario, but what would qualify as a successful end of the season for the Badgers for you? Winning two of the next three, pick and choose which ones they are, would be a really, really, it would have had two of four or three or four with Indiana in there, but that's, that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. um, getting the uh, the double buy in the Big Ten tournament. Mm -hmm. So winning and then winning a game, at least one game in the Big Ten tournament. I'm not a big Big Ten. I, I really don't give a shit about the Big Ten tournament. I I, I just don't embarrass yourself. Um, and then I, I, I'm just going to say it. Win two games in March uh, in, the, in the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16. I think any even as bad as this team has been, the last three plus weeks, anything less than a sweet 16 is going to be disappointing. It is not going to be a redemptive story. So like they get together and they beat Illinois, then they get Purdue a good game. They beat Rutgers. They win a couple games in the big 10 tournament. They win the first game in the round of 32 and uh, first game. And then they lose in the round of 32. No one is going to think that's a successful season. This team makes a sweet 16. There's still going to be guard hitters out there and a lot of them, mm -hmm. but it's going to be a lot harder to, to swallow that. To, to, to swallow that he should be fired or moved on from that. It wasn't a good year. If the team gets back to the Sweet 16. Dart hasn't made the Sweet 16 since 2017. People have this like as a prompt on their on their comment board pages because they're still <laughs> ready to drop that in. Let's not forget 2020, they probably would have been the lead eight team that year. That was that, was, that yeah. was a team ready to make some noise, but but they didn't do it. So yeah, Sweet 16, Sweet 16. I, I think that's I think you gotta do it. That's I that's probably agree. On, on all parts of it, honestly, the the two out of the yeah. three, a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, and Sweet Sixteen, I, sh I strongly agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I, and again, as divisive as this coach and as this team has become, the team has become recently. You're never going to make everyone happy. The Badgers can make the Elite Eight, and there will be a certain percentage of the, the Wisconsin fan base out there that is going to be like, that was it's a mirage. 
blah, 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 blah. So the same people that would cite the fact that something has not happened or been accomplished by Greg Gard as a, as a reason why he should be fired would be dismissing that thing happening as a reason to keep him. That's 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 called that's the that's the uh, the feverish uh, you know comment or brain of the third string JV tight end from high school. That's just it is what it is. <laughs> if any of you were were third string JV tight ends, please don't take offense to it. Here's um, what I would go is like the Badgers would lose in the Elite Eight to like Tennessee, and people would be like, well, "The Badgers played him in November. How do they not know how to beat him?" Yes, the majority of Wisconsin fans. I say this with a little. This is. I might be being too kind here. The majority of Wisconsin fans, I think, get it kind of generically. I think they understand. They 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 don't get too high, too low. They may get frustrated like I, like everyone is. But I'm telling you, there's a certain percentage, maybe 20%, especially on the message boards and the Twitters, you're just never going to make happy. And it doesn't matter. And I don't give a flying, you know, number two if I if I make them happy. They can they can F off. <laughs> sorry. I wouldn't yeah, even be I sorry about chance, it. Man. I'm we, cool. We are here for that energy when it comes yeah. to that. And I think the unfortunate thing about that 20% that's never happy is that they are also the 20% loudest. And it's it's yeah. really unfortunate. And I can, I can honestly say that I've never had an interaction with somebody who knows what they're talking about that is also like super negative and then, you know, just loud and obnoxious. Like I've you know never what? had Get that intersection of – you know, just wants to be unhappy, meet with actual basketball, football, baseball IQ. Yeah, they're dumb motherfuckers. Oh, I would be sorry what, about feeling the way that you do. No, no, I'm not. I'm not genuinely sorry. I think if you know me enough, you know that that's not a that was not sincere. But I, there was a time I can't remember exactly how it was fairly recently, and someone was cocking off, saying things beyond. You know, I care. One of these classic 89 IQ guys, and I. I there was something I responded and I said, Bofa, and he said, Bofa, what, what's, and I, and, and it was just a, it's not like it's some highbrow humor, but for some reason that was such a win. And I did the, did the Bofa D's nuts and he never responded. Like, I think he blocked me or something. That's fine. And, and again, this is the most, the most like immature, like 16 year old ridiculous online behavior bullshit. But there it is, and it felt so good. And oh. I could have argued for weeks about Greg Gard's records and our Wisconsin's Ken Palm rankings. It wouldn't make any difference. But getting him to 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 wade into a both of these nuts that did it. So maybe that's a piece of advice for anyone else. Maybe that's uh, instructive. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So one last thing before we get you out of here, and I, and I kind of have a feeling I know where this is going to go. But do you do you feel that there's like a big group of entitled Badgers fans, whether it be from the perspective of football or basketball or any other sport for that matter? Entitled is a little bit of a loaded word. I love loaded words, by the way. So let me don't don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> but but we are kind of victims of our own success. And yes, I understand that success has not included national titles for football and basketball. But mm-hmm. it was a really, really, really good run under a certain uh, former athletic director. Uh, for a number of years where it became just a given we're going to have a possibility of a 10-win football season or, or a Rose Bowl or, or you know, this is a Sweet 16 kind of team. Okay, we didn't make it. That's disappointing. And there's a little bit of, especially given the new realities of the Big Ten football conference, we're coming into a different time where things mean different things. And I think there's a little bit of a reckoning going on where people have to look inside themselves and not settle for less because that's not what I'm saying. 
But it is it is entirely possible that Luke Fickle's 2024 Wisconsin football team could be the most more talented than than any team Paul Christ had, and still finish six and six, and could still beat the pants off of a 12 and one Badger team from 2017. That is how crazy things are in the Big Ten right now, yeah. especially with NIL making the rich richer. But but so I don't want to denigrate Wisconsin fans. I think. By and large, this is an incredible fan base. I, that's why I stick with this. I mean, I think there's so many great fans who get it. And even the ones I disagree with oftentimes are, are coming from a place where, you know, I understand where they're, where they're, where they're roasting. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, little bit, a little bit of an entitled fan base that has, has to have a bit of a reckoning with expectations. Yes. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely be talking in the in the near future. And uh, like I said, maybe I'll reach out to you uh, on some brewery stuff that we're doing in a few weeks with our brewers primer. But appreciate you taking some time to come and talk with us and uh, maybe talk some people off the ledge and maybe give some other people the nudge that they need to just take the leap, I guess. But uh, Mike, scary. Thanks for talking some badgers with us. And we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Oh, sure thing. I'm going to go leave and denigrate Craig Council online for a few minutes. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Have a good night, guys. Man. Thank what, you. What a jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> uh, it's always fun having Scary on. I laugh every single time we have him on. Man, he just has a freaking set of nuts to just say what he feels. And I'm just gonna do that from now on, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the scary Alvarez approach, and I'm just gonna say what I feel. Cause sometimes I feel like I hold back, man. But you know what? I'm just I'm gonna let it loose. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it fly, dude. You know, like the Bucks a couple years ago, let it fly. You know. Mm. Yeah, there's times where it's like sometimes where it's just like, all right, you know, just try to get people to realize, you know, what what point you're trying to make. And then at some points, it's just like, how are you still so dumb that you don't understand what is being discussed here? Bro, I was literally just telling you last night about a discussion I've been having for weeks with this guy about A.J. Green. And it's like, this guy is not getting it. He perfectly fits that profile of guy that I just need to be like, all right, listen here, jackass. (laughs) You need to understand one thing and one thing only. He is in his second year. He just started being kind of good now. Like, it's time to, like, realize that this is playoff time. We're trying to win a ring. You can't bitch about not winning a ring and then playing a young guy. Like, you don't get both. Yeah, and it's it's, at certain points, like, I have to remind myself, like, people are not worth the energy that you're giving this conversation. So, like, I have to try to remind myself of that sometimes as well. Um, okay. So as we jump into the bucks now, let's, let's start with our power pair and, and our underrated performers, James, the Celtics guy said three game winning streak for your guys, including a win against Timberwolves back on track slash on the right path. Um, so let's, we're going to do our power pairs and then yes, we will get into that Timberwolves game two of those wins on the road, which is definitely a back on track thing, but, um, yes. So let's, Power pair first, and then we'll get into some games here. So my first guy likes to tap the wrist. He was in a crock pot, as they said on Friday night, cooking. (laughs) That was awesome, by the way. (laughs) I was like, he's in the crock pot cooking, bro. That's disgusting. But That was awesome. Damian Lillard was my first star. Uh, He averaged 22.6 points, 
8.3 rebounds and 8.6 assists. He shot 46% from the field, and that's with a bad shooting game in the, in the first half, especially against the Timberwolves, almost mm. at 50%. He shot 40% behind the three-point line. Again, a bad first half from him uh, against the Timberwolves. That really killed his percentages. But other than that, uh, he was fantastic. Four steals, one block. <laughs> in three games, the man was a plus 86. Sheesh. 86. I almost fell out of my goddamn chair when I wrote that down. <laughs> I still. We were 100 points better, basically, in, th- in the last three games with him on the court. That is insanity. So, my next guy is the people's champ. And the people stop believing in the champ. And you can't do that. Apology for him coming soon. Spoiler alert. You need to put some respect on my man. Okay? Not you specifically, but the people out there that I'm talking to. Put some respect on my man, Bobby. Bobby you Portis. Tell me. <laughs> I know that. I know that. Bobby Portis, 17 points, six rebounds, 1.6 assists. He shot 57% from the field and 50% from the three-point line. He was tremendous as the secondary break guy at the top of the key from the three-point line this week. Tremendous. And hitting corner threes. Those are the two areas he was killing. If he and offensive rebounds. That, Let me throw that in there. Yeah. If, if he continues to do that, he's back to the sixth man of the year, people's champ, the guy just being tough, playing ball. He also had one steal and two blocks. Uh, he had both of those against uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, which we'll get into that game individually. But he finished the week as a plus 27. So my underrated performer, this is exactly – this is exactly what this segment was made for, for guys like this. I didn't even tell you. I didn't even tell you who this was. Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder. Perfect. Jay Crowder had a game where he had two points. He had a game where he had zero points. But you know what? He was positive in the plus minus in both of those games. He had 12 points total this week, 22 rebounds, and six assists. He was 5 of 14 from the field. Four of the five came last night. He he was 2 of 9 from the three-point line. Both three-pointers came last night. He didn't shoot well. And he had one that he was like this far past the line. Yes. But he didn't shoot well. But he ended up with three steals, so he averaged a steal per game. He played defense. He rotated. He talked. He was a leader. He is one of the main reasons why I think this defense has taken a step up. And when we get into the Timberwolves game, I'm going to give evidence to that point. He finished with a plus 53. Oh. He was plus three versus Timberwolves, plus 17 versus the 76ers and plus 33 last night. I'm gonna I'm just gonna pull up the matchups from him from his defense last night because I just want to see now what his numbers were last night for for how guys shot against him. So I'm gonna have that for when we get into last night's game. Yeah. Um my power pair, so I have Giannis. He we've we've said this, we've kind of tiptoed around it. Uh we've said it to each other and obviously to some of our group chats that we're in, but the fact that Giannis is not getting any consideration to be anybody's MVP, it's ridiculous. It's so dumb. To be like, oh, like the, the fact that there is just this general consensus that Giannis is so clearly third in everybody's MVP race is ridiculous. He needs to have more consideration for being number one in the MVP. Can I pause you real quick? So I want to make one quick point. Go ahead. Giannis has now entered the tier where LeBron was in his Miami days where he was so goddamn good, and he was so good at everything, passing, scoring, defense, everything. He's so good at everything. 
And he makes everything look so easy that he, he doesn't get the respect he deserves. I firmly believe that. And he also gets the hate. Just like I can LeBron see it. Dude, the small mar- Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Market bias on Milwaukee this season is... It makes me want to punch people. (sighs) Mainly Kendrick Perkins and Brian Windhorst. Those are the two dudes just praying on the Bucks to be bad. They are. And, And here's my thing. And I said this on Twitter, and I have put this theory out there, that I think that there are some mainstream media personalities that want the Bucks to fail to distract you from the fact that the Warriors, Suns, and Lakers are all play-in teams right now. The Suns might be out of it. They might be up to number six, but I, I actually don't think so. Last time I checked, they were still seven. So last time I checked, those three media darling teams are play-in teams so they have to find a small market team that they can tear down so they can build up the three darlings in the West. The Suns are a half game ahead of the Kings. That team was fucking title favorites when they brought in Badly Beal. I don't want to hear shit about the Bucks, who are still at the three seed with coaching changes and injuries and babies being born while they're getting a new coach. Right when they're the three seed in the Eastern conference, when there's three teams that are all expected to be title contenders that are all play in teams. Oof. You miss me with that shit. Cause I'm tired of it. I agree. Okay. So Giannis in the last week, the last three games, 29 points, 11 rebounds, five assists on 63%, 75% on threes, 73.2% of the free throw line. <laughs> he just is good at everything, bro. I mean, He's just good at everything. He had 24 points and 8 rebounds last night in 24 minutes. Bro, he makes it look effortless. He really does. The thing that he really improved on this year is he is so much better at finishing around the rim with finesse instead of always trying to power through everything. Dude, the one lefty layup he had that he, like, spun in, I was like, oh. Yeah, he's he's gross around the rim. He's literally unguardable now. It doesn't matter. And controlling, dude, controlling yeah. his speed and still being able to finish with speed, that's something that – Guards are taught, yeah. and Giannis is six eleven. <laughs> so good, dude. <laughs> okay, my second one. I went. I went a little unconventional with this one. My second power pair is actually Doc Rivers, and boy, oh boy, do I have some numbers for you. So these are all for the three games since the All Star break. The Bucks are averaging one hundred and eighteen points a game, okay. on fifty one percent from field goal. 38% from three, 77% on free throws. They're averaging 48.3 rebounds, 28.3 assists, 13 turnovers, which is that sweet spot for me, 13 turnovers. If you're under that, I'm super happy. If you're over it, we can talk if we're talking about assists. Mm-hmm. 7.7 steals a game, 5.7 blocks a game, 
Ah, here we go. I have some defensive numbers for you. Opponent points off turnovers. The Bucks are averaging 15. That is number eight in the NBA. Much better. They are allowing 12 fast break points. That is number five in the NBA. Again, much better. They are averaging 42.7 points in the paint allowed. That is number three in the NBA. And their defensive rating in the last three games is 99.7, number one in the NBA. Almost like we spent four fucking weeks telling people to just have a little bit of patience. Weird. All right. You know what's really weird is we have to tell people consistently in the beginning of games to wait till the end of the game so they don't look like idiots. And now we're having to tell people that, you know, at the beginning of the year, when they come up with the schedule, there's 82 of those. Okay. So stuff is going to happen within the 82 of those single dates. Maybe relax a little bit and let the 82 play out. If I had a dollar for the number of times that I told people that championships are not won in February or late January for when they fired Adrian Griffin, like, I'd be sitting on a stack of cash right now. Hell yeah, dude. And, And here's the thing. I will give you the disclaimer. I will acknowledge the other side. Just because the Bucks are now on the right track doesn't mean that they're winning the championship. However, they are trending in the right direction as the season gets smaller. It's starting to look like everybody's preseason pick of Bucks and Celtics is starting to come to fruition, right? Mm-hmm. Celtics are reeling. Cavs are playing really, really well. They, they could give some people some problems. Um, but, I mean, really, outside, I mean, the Heat, you can never count the Heat out. They're well coached, and Jimmy Butler is a playoff performer. So, mm-hmm. really, with those top four teams, in my opinion, you can miss me with, with the Indianas yeah. and everything else in the world. We're, those we're the, not pending the, the Bucks in the finals by any means. No. But we are saying that the things that we said the Bucks are capable of are now happening. So, we're going to flex that a little bit. I think Bobby said it correctly when he was mic'd up on, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are starting to look like the Bucks again. Yep. So my underrated performer, I went with Pat Connaughton. He averaged eight points, four rebounds, two assists on 55.6% from field goals, 36.4% on threes, also averaged a steal and 0.7 blocks. His defensive rating over the last week, 97.2. But Dude. I've been told that Pat Connaughton doesn't play defense. I was the results determined that was a lie. Yeah. Pat Connaughton does play defense, and obviously basketball minds who are in charge of these things know that. So there's a couple there's a couple people that run some social media pages. I'm just gonna call out real quick. There's a girl named Sydney Fink. Uh there's Nathan, however the hell you say his last name. Um there's I mean there's there's a couple other ones that I, I'm I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But all these guys towards the trade deadline were all like, we got to trade Bobby. We got to trade Pat. Yep. I'm, I was, I was not a hundred percent against it because I wanted to see what we could get for them. You right. know, if, if the get back is good, I'm obviously going to be, you know, in favor of what's best for the bucks. We but, said you have to give value to get value. That's what we exactly. were saying with Bobby and Pat. Exactly. But I wasn't just a hundred percent on board with getting rid of guys that have won a championship 
and understand what it's like to play, you know, that deep into the season mm-hmm. and make winning plays. And they're clearly not afraid to get bloody. Uh, they're clearly yep. not afraid to to get in somebody's face. Those are those are attributes that are not on a yep. stat sheet. Okay. And if you're gonna get rid of guys like that, high character guys that help you build, you know, the type of locker room that you need to win a championship, you better be getting some high character guys back. Right. That goes beyond the numbers, obviously, yep. right? And you got guys like Pat, Pat and Bobby playing good basketball right now. And it has made a world of difference for this team. Mm-hmm. We don't even have Chris Middleton right now. We are legitimately going to fuck people up when Chris Middleton gets back. <laughs> yeah. This is going to get ugly. Damian yeah. Lillard looks like Damian Lillard, bro. And yeah. I know we're going to get into these games, man, but, bruh, I, I I cannot wait until we go into a deep run and Pat and Bobby are balling in the playoffs, and I'm just going to call out all those people that were just like, I remember when you wanted to trade this guy. Yep. I what's funny is you can go to the trade deadline when we talked about it, and you can find our receipts that say we are okay with keeping Pat and Bobby. If the Bucks, if the trade deadline passes and Pat and Bobby are still Bucks, we're going to be okay with that. Tim, you never have to worry about me being petty. I'm always on that. I'm always <laughs> on that bullshit, bro. <laughs> All right. Let's start with this Timberwolves game. Uh, Jake, what stood out to you from the Bucks and the Timberwolves coming out of the break? Well, first thing that stuck out to me was, you know, going into the break, if if we could backtrack to, to that, we had a pretty embarrassing loss to the Grizzlies, right? And we all we all we acknowledge that. Yep. Um, the All Star break happened. Damian Lillard wins the three point contest. He wins the All Star game MVP. We got some good feelings coming into this game. Now, yep. all day on you know this Friday, which was the twenty third of um, February, all they did was talk about the Timberwolves. Stephen A. Smith it, it was talking about how he's going to the games. He wanted to see Anthony Edwards live. Uh, they did a, a Timberwolves All Access, and at the end of the night, the story was about the Milwaukee Bucks. It was about the Bucks' defensive pressure. Yeah. It was about their their attention to detail on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. It was their giant run they went on in the third quarter, which I'm not going to get into that because you're going to cover that stuff. That that that's your area. But if, this was 100% a tale of two halves. Now right. there's there's one guy that played dominant in both halves and his name is Giannis and he's always good. Okay. Even when like, he's not like dominating scoring 50, he's still really good. I just want people to understand the level of excellence that this man puts out on the court every game. And he doesn't have to play every game. He could have sat out last night. He was on the injury report, but he decided to play for like three weeks. I know. Um, I just wanted to bring up the Hornets because people were complaining about the Hornets, which I'll have something to say to those people when we get to there. But it was a tale of two halves for a guy named Damian Lillard. Now, Dame was really trying to, you know, get into the offense and force the action, which, honestly, I loved. We need that from him. Mm-hmm. Giannis is going to be Giannis. We know that. But yep. this season hinges on Damian and Chris being able to assert themselves on the offensive end without stepping on each other's toes. Now, that's a fine line to walk, and they're mm-hmm. still clearly going through some growing pains. And that's okay. We still got time for that, for that to happen. Chris yep. is going to come back, and we're going to have another learning curve. But these guys are way too talented. I've been saying this for weeks. You've been saying this for weeks. We've been saying this for weeks. You have to trust the talent on this team. Yep. If and you're now John there's Morrison, an experienced you stand coach pat, involved, too. Agreed. If you are if you stand pat and you, you get a guy, Pat Bev, at the trade deadline, and then you, you get a, go to the bio market, get a guy like Danilo Gallinari, you're pretty much saying to the world, I trust what I've built. And I am 100% okay with that. 
Damian Lillard in the first half shot one for nine. Yep. He was passing the ball well. He was still distributing yep. it, and he was still being a really, really good point guard, which I will give him credit for because he's been yep. good at being a point guard, which yep. people want to call him a shooting guard in a point guard's body, which is absolutely false because he's a tremendous playmaker. Yep. In the second half, this man shot 7 of 14. Yep. 3 of 7 from 3. He scored 16 points. He had two clutch, clutch shots and yeah. one absolutely disgusting turnaround three-pointer <laughs> should not have happened it should not have happened but it might have it might have it was it. game time in minneapolis i don't know if i do or don't dame's three uh, yeah there it is <laughs> let's let's get it oh this is this might be the first one that he did yeah yeah this is this, this is the one i was, I was this one this is Come, come on, come on, Dude. come on. At that point, as a defender, you really just go like, "That's Dame." Like that's I literally have that written in my notes. That Dame Lillard doing what he does. And Richard Jefferson brought it up on the broadcast, and I agree with him. He said that shot is a ten out of ten difficulty for everybody except about five people, and Dame is one of those five people. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. This is the other one. This is the one that you mentioned. This one is just dude. I mean, chill out. <laughs> come on. Dude. Now. Look at even Brooks' face is just like, oh, oh, okay. This is this is this three is one of those things where like if you are sitting on the Timberwolves bench while this happens, you just do one of these. You just go. Either that or you do one of these. <laughs> that's that's immediately what I think. Bit. <laughs> the floor is yours. Right. I'm done with my takeaways. So we're gonna jump into we're gonna jump into the first quarter here. Okay. And the Bucks had a really good defensive start to this game. They jumped up seven to nothing. Bobby Portis gave them a nice spark on offense. Pat Connaughton gave them a nice spark on defense. Mm -hmm. uh, Brooke Lopez, I'll say, got a super soft technical follow call on him because he didn't get a follow call. But this is first quarter defense by the Bucks. Um, I think this ends up being like a 23 and a half second thing where like they almost force a shot clock violation, but doesn't quite, but this is, this is just great rotation, which we've talked about the rotations since doc rivers has been hired have been so much better. They've literally improved the exact things that we talked about wanting them to improve. Yep. And, and I want you to watch Jay Crowder because I'm going to bring him up specifically when I get to the end of the game, but, just the way that the Bucks are defending the perimeter, which is Brooke Lopez not going straight to the restricted circle, but giving enough time to get guards to recover. And Dame's just half a step, just slows Edwards down just a little bit. And then Brooke is still there. And Giannis's positioning right here is exactly what we talked about for probably all of December. Yeah. Of giving up that pass because the the corner defender was outside of the paint because this is what the Bucks were giving up. They were giving up alley-oops and drop-off passes to guys to get layups and dunks. And now Giannis is where he needs to be to not allow that to happen and that if Anthony Edwards is going to try to make this pass to McDaniels in the corner, he's going to have to do it over three defenders and one of his own teammates. So he's in a really shitty spot right here. He has nowhere to go with the ball but up. Yep. 
and you're trying to shoot over Brooke Lopez with Michael Beasley in your pocket. That's a tough shot for a guard, especially. Yeah. So the pass ends up out there, and the Bucks recover it well. They try to Bro, set it Jay, up. Jay Crowder was on Cat's ass all night. And I said this because I'm going to, to make this point when we get to the end of this game. But he is on his ass. That is what makes Jay Crowder Jake's underrated performer this week. 100%. That, that, that little 10-second part of that play on its own exemplifies why. Yep. So the second quarter started with Patrick Beverly, Pat Connaughton, Danilo Gallinari, um, Giannis. Uh, I can't read my notes right now. Oh, and Jay Crowder. Um, so that was the lineup they started with in the second quarter, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, the ball movement was really good in the second quarter. The baskets just weren't falling for them. But the mm-hmm. Bucks come out of the third quarter with a 7-0 run. Minnesota took a two-point lead, 66-64, to halfway through the third quarter. Then they had a 68-67 lead with five minutes and 30 seconds left. The Bucks went on a 12-0 run with Giannis on the bench. The ball movement and the defense were high quality all of the third quarter. The Bucks outscored a really good Minnesota Timberwolves team in their own building 36-13 to in the third quarter. That was Minnesota's lowest quarter of the season. So when you get to the thing where we're talking about the Timberwolves or the, the Hornets and we're like, oh, they scored 26 points in the half. Oh, it's just the Hornets. They did it to the Timberwolves too. And the Timberwolves are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They were at like the third best three-point percentage. Let me also give you the flip side. The Timberwolves are a top five defensive team too. For the Bucs to put up 36 and a quarter on a good defensive team while also holding them to 13 in their own building. That's an ass whooping of a quarter. Yeah, we spanked that ass for a long, for a long while. That's the, the Patrick Beverly belt to ass tour. So fourth quarter, the transition defense got a little bit sloppy. The Bucks were kind of playing with a lead, and I think that's kind of what, what got there. Um, and Minnesota's a good rebounding team because they're big. That's just kind of a fact there. Yeah. Um Carl Anthony Towns did hit back to back threes, cut the lead to six. Um Bucks just got to make their free throws a little bit, and then we got to Dame doing what he does, and then Anthony Edwards kind of hit a couple threes just a little bit too late. Now, yeah. here's here's the thing. So, I'm going to talk about Doc Rivers first because he brought up their their defensive play style. He said we took away their threes, got rebounds, and made them take tough twos. If they make those, they make them. I 100 percent agree. Defensive style does that sound like? Bud. Sounds like Budenholzer's defense. Run yeah. them off the three-point line, defend the paint, and give up mid-range. I'll tell you a little bit more of the nuances on the the Doc defense versus the Bud defense is I think that guys are being a little bit more active in the, in the Doc defense. I agree with you. They're, 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 they're less... like physically, and, and he actually kind of pointed this out a little bit, talked about getting his hands on people. When you're kind of putting your hands on people and you can pass them off like like realistically, not figuratively, like realistically pass them off, that makes you stay engaged in the game, kind of like touching yep. the ball, right, on offense. Yep. On defense, it makes you stay engaged. So I like that part of it. It's it's less island defense and more collective. Yep. Um, and I think guys are buying into it 
which is really great to see. Now, dude, Damian Lillard gets an annoyingly low amount of foul calls, and they missed a goaltend in this game, which annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah. But it is what it is. The Bucs ended up winning. Now, two guys that I want to bring up that I wanted to give the credit for because on the win graphic that we post after all the wins, uh, we post graphics for them, and we give out underrated performers. Mm-hmm. I put Jay Crowder and Pat Connaughton for their defensive impact on Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. So Jay Crowder guarding Carl Anthony Towns. This is for five minutes and 44 seconds, approximately 29 possessions of defense. Mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns shot two for five. One of the That's most skilled offensive like players. Four or five inches taller than him. Yeah. And then Pat Connaughton, a rotational role player, guarding Anthony Edwards, one of the best young players in the NBA, somebody who people are starting to call like the future face of the league, mm-hmm. that, that caliber of player. Mm-hmm. Pat Connaughton guarded him for two minutes and 12 seconds, approximately 11 possessions. Anthony Edwards was 0 for 4. Yeah, but he doesn't play any defense, man. He's like he's like a traffic cone out there. That's what I've heard. Time to put a little respect on Pat Connaughton. Hey, Mike, the man plays defense, whether you like it or not. The stats do not support you if you say that he doesn't. I'm going to go on the record. I said this to you last night. Doc is getting the playoff rotation ready. We're going to talk about not- that when we get to the Hornets game. So keep that in your pocket. I'm, I'm going to open that can right can now. But- that can of worms is getting opened. We got to. It has to happen now. It's time. We literally said it to each other at the same time. So we we're going to discuss that. Let's go we to did. Sunday's game. Let's talk about the Bucks and 76ers. What's it up to you from that? Man, what an ass whooping. I there, there was not a single second of this game that I watched where I wasn't like, yeah, Bucks might lose today. I literally felt so un this might be the most confident I felt in them watching a game this season. Not 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 any of the Hornets games. And, like, I should have been. Not any of the Pistons games. Like, the way this team finished that game in Minnesota going into this primetime matchup against Philly, I w- my confidence was was sky high. And uh, they, they answered every question that I, that I had. Um, this is the third time they held the opponent under, under 100 points, uh, the Hornets, Nuggets, and now the 76ers. So they're starting to play some really high-level defense. Uh, Giannis with 30, 12, and 9. I mean, the guy's just ridiculous, dude. And I talked about the first half or second half for Damian Lillard in the Minnesota Timberwolves game. Now, he ended the second half of the Timberwolves game really good. He started the first half of the Philadelphia game really, really good. Uh, he scored 15. <clears throat> he scored 15 points in the first half. Uh, he shot super, super well. He was being super aggressive, uh, taking all the three-pointers that were available to him. Uh, Cody, we did see that, the Preston Smith restructure, so that was actually absolutely fantastic. We do have a Packers episode, by the way. Just going to drop that in here real quick. Coming up on Friday, so uh, come join us on Friday as well. But in the first half, it was really the Dame show. Dame had 15, Giannis had 9. Um, Giannis shot 3 of 7 in the first half. Uh, Damian Lillard was four or five and three or five from the by the three point line. In the second half, it flipped. Damian Lillard didn't really have to do much. He was one of two from the field, one of three behind the three point line, and Giannis was six of eight. So he had twelve in the second half, and Dame had five. So the two superstars are really starting to learn and bounce the game off of each other. Really, you know, okay, Dame's on fire. Okay, Giannis is going to let Dame take over. Okay, 
Uh, Giannis is on fire. Dame's going to let Giannis take over. And when you add in a guy that it could be a 20-point-per-game scorer and a 50-40-90 potential guy, the, the Bucks. I'm telling you right now, and James, I hope you're still here, the Bucks are the only team that can stop the Celtics. They are the only team that can stop the Celtics. I don't want to hear the Nuggets. I don't want to hear the Timberwolves. The Bucks in a seven-game series, you have to put yourself in that mindset. You have to put yourself in a championship mindset. Go into Boston. You need a win. There is one fucking team in this league that could do that. There is not another team that is built for that. I've, I'm talking fully healthy. I don't, don't miss me with the goddamn Suns. They don't have enough defense. I mean, the, the Warriors are getting too old now. I'm, you're talking fully healthy. There's one team that can go into Boston and get a win. If you need one, it's the Bucs. That's it. That's the end of the list. And I'm not, not, I'm not going to guarantee that they will, but right. I'm telling you they're the only team that can. I, and I really and believe this that. Goes to, this goes to their credit for what they've done in the past. I wouldn't rule Miami out because the they literally have done Miami, it. They in, lost a lot of shooting. Right. And, and that's fair. But I still wouldn't count them out. I, sh- I should give them more respect. And they, Miami's okay. definitely a dangerous let's, let's team. Let's say this. If, they're, if we're talking about a list of teams that could win, say, in Boston, like Miami would be higher on that list than they currently rank in the Eastern Conference right now. Oh, 100%. Especially say playoff like time. Right. <laughs> especially playoff time. But, you know, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, for the sake of conversation, I'll, I'll hear you on Miami, but. In my opinion, it's really only the Bucks. And again, I'm not the saying the gap that is will. big. It's not like it's, it's huge. It's not Milwaukee, Miami. It's Bucks, and then Heat. Yeah, the Celtics are damn near unbeatable in their house. So for for me to say that is pretty high praise for for the Bucks. Uh, it's pretty high praise for Miami to get brought up in that conversation because again, the Celtics are are loaded. Um, now back to this Bucks 76ers game. Another guy I want to give a shout out to is is Malik Beasley. Seven of nine from the field, six of seven behind the three-point line. Uh, Bobby Portis shot really well, seven of 11 from the field, three of four from the three-point line. So the Bucs were shooting. They made 18 threes. They shot nearly 50% behind the three-point line. The ball was hopping. Everybody was getting a touch, and everybody was eating, really. So this you brought up Damian Lillard's first half total. He actually scored the Bucs for seven points. He did. Uh, and then there was a point in the first quarter where the Philadelphia 76ers missed 12 straight shots. And the Bucks were able to build a nine, or a 14-point lead there in the first quarter by doing a really good job of creating, finding, and making corner threes. Mm-hmm. Something the Bucks kind of been a little wishy-washy on at times. But the 76ers in the first quarter were 3 of 14 on threes. By all means, if you're not shooting well, keep throwing them up. I'll, uh, I'll keep getting the rebounds. Thank you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Um, Philly did go on a 9-0 run to cut the lead down to 7 in the second quarter. Bobby Portis was really just feeling it after that. And the Bucks, despite Philly's offense getting better, the Bucks kind of stayed ahead by hitting their threes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bobby Portis was a big part of that. Uh, the Bucks then did hold Philly to four straight possessions of one and done. So that was a big part of the second quarter. They built their lead on a 10-0 run up to 21 points after that. So that 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 constantly holding Philly to one and done and then a 10 all run was just a great way to build their lead. Uh, and Giannis hit Brooke Lopez with a full court pass 
right before halftime. And I guarantee you Nick Nurse walked into that locker room at halftime and screamed at his players for that. Guaranteed. Yeah. Um, James said it's always fun to watch the Sixers lose and wallow in their failed trusting of the process. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Um, the Bucks have to build the future years, so we we did that too, but trusting <laughs> the process has not worked out as well as build for the future. Okay, so we get into the second half. Actually, no, let me let me touch on this first. Is first half the Bucks made twenty six field goals and had twenty assists. And I brought up when I was talking about Doc Rivers as my my other power pair player or person uh, is I will live with a little bit higher turnovers if the assist numbers are going to skyrocket like that. So I've as long as we've been doing this show, I've been super like critical of the Bucks need to get their turnovers down, get their turnovers down, get their turnovers down. If the assists are rising because they're passing the ball more and it's leading to more baskets, I will live with slightly higher turnover numbers. So I will live with 14, 15, 16 turnovers if we're talking 26, 28, 30 assists a game. Now, I don't want to get back on a bad trend for Giannis. I'm going to knock on wood real quick here. But mm-hmm. a lot of turnovers that have been missing are Giannis just barreling into defenders or mm-hmm. dribbling into bad situations and losing the ball. That is yep. another area he improved where we didn't bring it up, and I shame on us. <laughs> but he's been I'm very good this year. Now, so. Yeah, he's been very good this year in that. Now that I sit back and kind of think about it, when you brought yeah. up turnovers, it got the wheels turning a little bit. So in the third quarter, this was hilarious. This was the one that reminded me of the the shot clock violation. Was the Bucks had like a they forced like a shot clock violation, but Brook Lopez like caught the ball on like an airballed shot, and the ball is live, and Malik Beasley and Doc Rivers are like. Like in the middle of a play while the ball is live, I'm like, get your offense. Like, he did a really good job of contesting the shot, but the ball is live and the Bucks just got a rebound, and Beasley and Doc are high fiving each other, fired up about the defense. Love it. It, it made me laugh, so I had to bring it up. Now, <laughs> the Bucks maintain their lead by keeping their defensive focus. So, that is a big deal. The Bucks had some games where they would get up, you know, big, you know, big chunks of, of points. And then teams would kind of creep back. The Toronto Raptors are a team that comes to mind when shit like that happens. And the Bucks were able to keep their defensive focus. And it's something that transitions really well into the Hornets game, is keeping their defensive focus while playing with a lead. Philly did hit some threes, cut the lead down to 11 points. The Bucks had it back to 13 at the end of the third quarter. Uh, Philly playing small helped. So the Bucks got a little bit quiet while they were trying to match Philly playing small uh, without Giannis on the floor. If the Bucks go small with Giannis at the five, they're fine. But the Bucks going small without Chris Middleton or Giannis on the floor is a potential area that I'll say they can be exploited. Now, when we really get into points where Chris Middleton and Giannis are obviously healthy, there's not going to be times where the Bucks are playing small ball without either of them on the floor. True. So I'll just say that if you know if you think of it, like I said, it's a potential weakness for the Bucks. There's, there's not going to be opportunities for that weakness to be exploited when this team is, you know, playoff ready. Yep, fully healthy, yeah. So fourth quarter, Bucks dodged some bullets and some questionable calls, but Pat Connaughton hit Giannis with a really nice pass for an and one to get the lead back up to 15 points. And then right after that, Pat Connaughton blocked a buddy-heeled three-point shot. 
So all the people, oh, Pat Connaughton's just flying by the three-point line, doesn't do anything. He's running guys off the three-point line. Or at the very least, taking rhythm away. Yep. Forcing I'm... guys towards Brooke Lopez. That's what Pat Connaughton does by running at three-point shooters. And, and yes, we've talked about, you know, having high-hand closeouts. Pat Connaughton at 6'4", his high-hand closeout is not doing anything to an NBA three-point shooter. Well, he don't the, high, so. if, it, if it's Bobby Portis, Bobby Portis doesn't need to do the run and flyby. Bobby Portis is big and long enough that if he runs with a high hand, that can affect a shot of a, of a shooting guard in the NBA. That's fair. So I'll say that as far as closeouts are concerned. Pat Connaughton runs guys off the three-point line, and he actually blocked the three-pointer in this game. Um, and then Beasley and Damian Lillard hit some back-to-back threes, pushed the lead back up to 25, and it was over. Now, here's the thing. So Philly cut the lead to 13 at the end of the third quarter, right? Philly scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Bucks locked in, dude. Guess how many points the Hornets scored in the first quarter last night? 16. So the Bucks, if you think about it, just think about it this way. From the fourth quarter of Philly to the first half of the Hornets game, the Bucks defense in quarters allowed 16, 16, and 10. That's ridiculous. They allowed 42 points in three quarters. That's ridiculous. They've done that in one. Yeah. They held teams to that in three. Yeah. That so is in, in 36 wild. minutes in 36 minutes of play, 42 points. That is wild, dude. When you when you compare the the points that we scored in comparison to that, it's disgusting. <laughs> that's where that's where it starts to get gross, right? So, what's that up to you from last night? <sighs> it's very apparent that if the Bucks played the Hornets in every single game, they would go 82 and 0. They have played the Hornets now 3 times and they've won every single game by 30 points at least. Now, I didn't get time to look up if that was the first time in NBA history that that's happened, but it's got to be some kind of record or tied with it. And the th- this is for the people that say, oh, it's just the Hornets. Since our last meeting, we played them on February 9th. And, it, you know, since then, the Hornets won five of six games yep. going into last night. So this team was beating other teams. Yep. And they come into to the game in Milwaukee, and the Bucks beat the absolute living shit out of them. Yep. And now people want to say it's just the Hornets. I'm not trying they to. They actually, that. since the trade deadline, had the best defensive rating in the NBA. They did until last night, obviously, when we obviously took Bucks it from ruin that for them. <laughs> Putting up 123 kind of ruins things for you. So, <laughs> but I think that really stuck out was just the team is just starting to gel. They're starting to get things going. Damian Lillard started off on a heater again. Uh, Giannis just 24 casual points again. Just. The guy just walks and he scores 20 points. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous at this point. Uh, Jay Crowder was was shooting really, really well. Uh, Bobby Portis played really well again. The bench outside of Bobby Portis, and I understand they played the entire fourth quarter, they played really, really good. They scored 39 points, grabbed 14 rebounds and 11 assists. That's minus Bobby Portis. Okay, that's, that's good bench production. 15 of 33 from the field and 5 of 15 from the three-point line. 
could probably be better from the three point line, but they were kind of chucking some shit up at the end, anyways. Um, the Bucks shot fifty one percent from the field, forty percent back to back really good games, in my opinion, from the three point line. Now some of them didn't fall, but they were getting good shots. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I'm seeing, and you know, <laughs> this team is just starting to hit on all cylinders now. Uh, if you're a fan of last night's game, I have really good news for you about tomorrow night. We play the Hornets again. So get ready for, for another win tomorrow night. But really, this team is just starting to gel. And all the people that are worried and wondering when Chris Milton's going to be back, I forgot to bring this up last segment. They talked about it during the Sixers game. They said one to two weeks. I've heard now he'll be back maybe within a week. So I'm not worried one bit. He's going to get back in plenty of time. I think maybe Monday at the earliest, to be honest with you. Possibly. Yeah, they said he'll be back within a week. That's what I heard yesterday. So. Hey, the thing that I held on to is Doc Rivers said if it was playoffs, he'd be playing. So at, at that token, I'm not worried about it. 100%. Um, so the Bucks got off to kind of a slow start from the three-point line, but they cranked up the defense, and then they started hitting threes that fueled an 11-2 to run. Um, the lead grew as – the the run grew as big as 24-4. to <laughs> <laughs> So – the Bucks actually doubled Charlotte in the first quarter, 32 to 16. Damian Lillard and Giannis had 25 of the 32 points. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Bobby Portis came out firing in the second quarter. He started two for two. The Bucks had or the, the Hornets had 26 points at halftime. Halftime. 26 points at halftime. Bucks what, had 32 what? in the first quarter. They literally would have been up six if they hadn't scored the entire second quarter. What what did I tell? <laughs> That's so dumb. What did I, I don't tell you? Give yesterday? a shit if it's the Hornets. I don't give a shit if it would have been like the the junior varsity team of pick your high school. They could have literally scored zero points for twelve minutes and still had a six point lead at halftime. <laughs> I don't care who the opponent was. That's so dumb. What, what did I tell you yesterday? We were we were talking last night. And I was like, you know, I was kind of, I was trying to watch both, but you know, I, I don't have those, those chameleon eyes, you know, I can't oh, watch Matt both. All time. All right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to dog you guys, but <laughs> he says that I'll, I'm going to say that it's okay. Cause he does it to himself. That's fair. Um, but you know, I, I'm kind of peeking over here and peeking over here and you know, I'm watching the Badgers and then I turn, I watch the Bucks and you know, every time I kept going back to the Bucks and Hornets game, they still had 20 some points. They still had 20 something points. And then you look at the time you're like, Jesus Christ, there's only 15 seconds left in the half. They only have 26! What the fuck? <laughs> I'd, I'd be okay with holding a team to 26 in a quarter. Seriously, dude. In today's NBA with the fast pace and the three-point shooting, that's that's ridiculous. You're, you're talking 104 points if they do 26 a quarter. 26 and a half is, is so dumb. <laughs> so... The Bucks held Charlotte to eight minutes and twenty six seconds without scoring a single point. Jesus! <laughs> and here's the thing: you can pick two out of the three. Any two out of the three of Giannis, Dame, and Bobby, any two had more points than the entire Hornets team. Yep. yep. Dame and Bobby had sixteen. Giannis had fifteen. So any combination of them is 31 or 32 points. And the Hornets had 26. We posted on the page. It was the fourth lowest total of a half ever. 
and it was the uh, the lowest in seven years. That's of a half. Wow. So third quarter is really where this game ends for me. I don't have any notes from the fourth quarter, but the third quarter, the ball movement, and then guys hitting you know one dribble pull up threes off of you know pump fakes and passes. It was just it was really great. The offense just kept rolling. Then what I'm loving defensively, and I I really should go back through last night's game and and get like a bunch of clips of this mm-hmm. is the Bucks switching on the perimeter. So when it's guard to guard, they're switching. And then when there's screens coming, like I brought up with that Timberwolves game, the the the, the big men are stepping up to allow the guards to recover. And then that's that those two things, the switching on the screens uh, for guards and then the big men helping the guards to recover while that that corner defender comes down to defend the big man's assignment. That would, like I said, like I brought up with that Timberwolves game. It's making it so that other teams are having a really tough time getting good open shots. Mm-hmm. That's really what the defense is boiling down to. That's making the Bucks really, really tough defensively lately. Mm-hmm. So the Bucks also like you when you brought up Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis also helping the offensive rebounds. Pat Connaughton working offensive rebounds. Um, you know the, the just I really like what I'm seeing is basically what it boils down to for me. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to open the defense can of worms or the young guys can of worms first? Defense. What if I told you that the Bucks have five players since the All-Star break with defensive ratings under 100 and four out of the five are in the starting lineup? I'd say that I like that, and I'd also like to guess. Brooke, Giannis, Jay, and Dane. And then Beasley, and I mentioned Connaughton when I brought his up. Now, out of those six players, so the five mm-hmm. starters and Pat Connaughton, who's do you think the defensive rating is the, the the worst out of those six, which would be the highest? Just because you smile before you said, I'm going to say Giannis. It is Giannis. Oh, oh, that is nuts. So I already mentioned Pat Connaughton's defensive rating since the All Star break is 97.2, which is very very good. Um, <laughs> and I would tell you six games of the NBA Finals, Bucks with the champs in six. We approve this message in six. I yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna count high low. So Giannis's defensive rating in the last three games ninety nine point five. That's very good. That is. Pat Connaughton's is ninety seven point two. Very good. Jay Crowder's defensive rating since the All Star break is ninety two point nine. God, I wish we were in that chat again. <laughs> Malik Beasley's defensive rating since the All-Star break is 90.3. Jeez. Damian Lillard's defensive rating since the All-Star break is 83.1. Holy shit. Yeah. Brooke Lopez's defensive rating since the All-Star break is 78. What? 78, bro? 
Holy. That's nuts. That's actually insane. A really good defensive rating is around 100. Yeah. So to be under 100 makes you a very good defender. Bucks have six guys under that, all five of their starters, and Pat Connaughton. Jesus. Now, uh, let's open this last can of worms is you and I, we, we literally said this to each other at the same time last night. Ajax, Marjan, and AJ Green are probably not going to play very much in the rest of the season unless the Bucks are blowing teams out like they did last night. Yeah. Pre All Star break, I get you know wanting the young guys to get a little bit more time to help their development. From yeah. now on, the only focus is the playoffs. Yep. So the only guys that are playing now are guys that are going to play in the playoffs. That is the bottom line. End of story. I do not want to hear a single other complaint about Marjan, AJ, and Ajax not playing for the rest of the season. I do not want to hear it. They are not going to be part of the playoff rotation yet. So they're not going to play through the last 25 games of the season because they are not going to be playing in the 8-9-ish man rotation for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go 13 guys deep into the bench during the regular season when we are beginning to tune up for the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. Are you ready? Yep. I got two things I'm going to say. I'm going to touch on Gallo first. So I've seen, I've seen, now we're going to focus on the young guys. So I'm going to say this first and I'm going to get to the point. I've seen people say, what is the point of signing Gallinari if he's not going to play? <sighs> Jesus. Uh, I'm so tired of this conversation. Do you not understand sports? Um, if you have a guy having a bad game or you have a guy go down with an injury, God forbid, don't you think it's a good idea to have some insurance? Experienced insurance at that. That's exactly what he is. He is experienced insurance. That's what he is. With familiarity with the coach. He's, he's actually a really good playmaker for a big guy too. So he tried a disgusting pass last night in the fourth quarter when the game didn't really matter, but – he is a crafty big man. He's a good shooter. He's just good a shooter. good, still a good player. Okay? He's not like all-star or anything like that, but he's a good rotational player. Yep. That's what he is. Yep. I'm sorry you don't understand sports, but I'm here to try to help. I'm going to talk about the young guys. Can I, I say something about Gallinari really quick just because I yes, saw go this? Ahead, go, ahead, go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. The Bucks did not choose Gallinari over DeLon Wright. Yeah. DeLon Wright got released three days after the Bucks had signed Gallinari. So just put that comparison just completely out of your mind because it's it's not there to be made. It's not existent. Exactly. So I love Marjan. I think that he's gonna he still has a chance to be a good player. I like his potential. Mm-hmm. I like Andre Jackson Jr. I'm gonna speak for both of us right now. We like Andre Jackson Jr. We love think that, that he, he has potential to be a really, really good hustle guy. Mm-hmm. And if he develops a three pointer and ability to to get to the rim off the dribble, you know, with the ball and without the ball, he could become a dynamic player for this team. Two years from now, I see him replacing Pat Connaughton's role. 100%. So, and he, he has point guard abilities as well, too. He has a playmaker abilities as well. Great so, yeah, passer transition. He fits perfectly into that mold. So, now we get to A.J. Green. I love A.J. Green's potential. Big body guy, can defend, can body you up. He stretches the floor, obviously, on offense. So, yep. <laughs> his potential is actually insane. 
Uh, I don't know what his ceiling is, but he could be a fucking good player. Uh, he has to develop some more handles to to be that guy, but he could become that guy. With that being said, you are not allowed to complain about the young guys not playing and then also bitch when we lose and don't win the championship this year. You pick a damn side. And, and when you go on that side, you try to come over here, I'm going to kick your ass back over there. You understand me? Because I'm so sick and tired of this damn conversation. I think that they all have great potential. And in two years from now, they're going to be really important pieces for the Bucks. But we're not two years from now. We have Damian Lillard right now in his prime. End of his prime. But it's still in his prime. We have Giannis in the fucking middle of it. Yeah, It's time to, to rack up some chips. We are in a position where it's not even like there's two sides of the coin. This is like a six-sided die. The other one being the Bucs are an older team. And the yeah. Bucs are – this was the same problem under Budenholzer. People are like, ooh, we can't yep. develop young players. That's – dude, you are in two positions. You are either trying to develop young players to compete yep. for championships or you are competing for championships. You're not doing both at the same time. The you, Phoenix Suns and the Lakers do not give a fuck about developing young players. They want to win a championship. You are not doing both at the same time. Look at the Celtics. Same thing. Dude, we have said this since Budenholzer was the coach. You are not going to try to compete for a championship and develop young players at the same time. Nope. That's why I do not give a shit about draft picks either. Give me proven players now while we are trying to win now. I would rather win three championships in five years and suck for five years than to win one in ten years and win 50 games eight out of those ten. I agree. That's why we went through 2002 through 2016 was to get to where we were in 2021. That's where we were trying to get back to. Why are you trying to go back to 2013? That year sucked. Yeah, we got Giannis, but it was great. But stop trying to turn Andre Jackson into Giannis while we are not a 15-win team. Right. With the you are not two overall doing pick. both of those things at the same time. Especially after the All-Star break. Yep. The young guys bitching and complaining, it needs to stop. It is not something that is a focus right now. The focus no. right now is it's this. This is the fucking focus right now. Yeah. Not the players that are going to start playing in the rotation in 2027. I do not give a shit about 2027 right now. Yep. Now. When we get to next November and December, when the Bucks are hanging their other banner, then yes, let's get Andre Jackson Jr. and A.J. Green and Marjan Bochamp into the rotations. We can let guys like Gallinari go, and we can bring them, you know, we can bring in different buyout players next year around this time. And I'll throw, let's say, let's say the Bucks use their pick next year and they draft a center prospect that they think could replace Brooke Lopez in two years. Mm-hmm. And then a guy like like a Mike Muscala becomes available, who I would bet a thousand dollars that the Boston Celtics are gonna sign. Probably he was there before, so and they then they need big guy depth. Yeah. Let's say a guy like that becomes available for the Bucks, and the Bucks sign the center that has the experience. I don't want to hear about the, oh, why are we signing a guy when we have this young guy that they need to develop? Because the focus is championships, 
not development. You don't try to develop players to help you win championships in the future when you're trying to win championships in the present. Yeah. The present is the focus first. And you know what? I think some of that comes with, I don't want to assume, but I'm going to assume, with the football kind of mindset where we watched the Packers for the last 30 years, where they're able to develop young guys while also competing for championships. This is a completely different scenario, dude. You have 15 guys on the roster, not 50. Exactly. And there, there's, and, and when there's five guys on the court at one time, they have to play both ends. There's not 11 guys going on the field just focusing on one side of the football. You know, so it's it's completely different, and people have to be able to take themselves out of that mindset. Same thing with baseball. You you go and play both sides of the ball, right? So, yep. except for the DH, obviously, but or in the pitcher. But you know, you, you you can't play both sides, and that's exactly what I was trying to say. You just made it sound smart. But if you try to say that we need to develop young guys, okay, that's fine. That's fine. You you can you can do that. That's fine. If you if you want to be a guy that says we I can't believe we didn't win the championship or I'm so happy we won the championship, that is the side you need to be on for one. Right. And you stay over here, okay? Yeah. You you go back over here. No, I'm kicking your ass back back here. I, seriously, it's if you look at the teams that are trying to develop young guys, teams like the Pistons and the Hornets. <laughs> Like those teams are trying to develop young guys. If you are trying to develop young players, don't expect to be competing for championships. Well, uh, and then you have team. You know, you talked about the Pistons and the Hornets are teams trying to develop young talent. Absolutely true. You brought up the Lakers and the Suns and the Bucks and the Celtics. Those are teams that are going for championships, right? And then you have the middle ground people, like the Bulls. They have zero fucking direction. Yeah, they don't know what to do. Okay, that's a bad spot to be in. The Bucks were that team for a long time. They were that team for a long time in, in the yeah. mid two thousands and in the, into the teens. And then yep. they were just like, you know what? We need to blow it up. And exactly what you said, we were building from that point on, from the ground up, to get to the point where we are now. Yep. So before this is gone, before Giannis retires, before all these days are the good old days. You know, there's that saying: "I wish you knew you were in the good old days before the good old days were gone." Right? While you were in them. This is the good old days <laughs> yeah. right now. Yep. So you better enjoy a seven foot, 250 pound Greek God yeah. leading us to titles before it's gone. And, and this is the gone. thing is that Ajax, Andre Jackson, Andre Jackson Jr., AJ Green, and Marjan Bolchamp, they are part of the next wave. They are not yep. part of the current wave. Agreed. They are prospects and that's how they will be treated. Yep. Rightfully so. You know, and we uh, let me use the Brewers as an example. The Brewers had a lot of young guys forced into some spots. Yeah. And sure, they came through at times, and it was really fun. We saw that with the Bucks, even with Andre Jackson Jr. It was fun to see them produce at times. AJ Green, the same thing. It's really fun to see him make a whole bunch of threes. But that doesn't project to postseason play. We literally just saw it with the Brewers. You can't just force a bunch of young guys into situations and expect their their small sample sizes of good performance to translate to the postseason. It's it's just not a realistic thing to expect to, to expect that young guys are going to come through immediately just because you force fed them playoff time. You kind of say that about the Packers, even though they won a playoff game. I mean, 
you got put in a completely different scenario where you kind of went up a class going into San Francisco. And yes, yeah. both teams were making mistakes. That's 100%. The team that was younger made more of the mistakes. And the it was because they were experience showing. Exactly. So, yeah, that that's, that goes again to the point of signing a Gallinari. The experience there, yes, uh, it doesn't take a, a wise person to see that Andre Jackson Jr. is more athletic than Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> but who's taking more shots in playoff games? Yeah. And it's, played under Doc already, so kind of really understands. It really just needs to be that when we get to situations where things happen, you need to think more than only the first thought that comes to your head. You can't hear the first thought that comes to your head and stop there. You need to keep thinking about it. And and I know this is something that I've I've come across in books, podcasts, things like that is to try to ask why seven times. Mm. So just just try to do that, you know? Uh, and, and all ranting aside that that we just did for 10 minutes, we, we do really advocate for that critical thinking. And I promise you, we are putting that in ourselves. You know, yeah. we're not just asking other people to do it and just telling them to do it, that we are not doing it. I promise you we are doing all of that critical thinking as well. We do it. We do it together when we get on get on here and we talk and we we plan stuff and we're asking each other questions. We we do a lot of critical thinking together when we're planning stuff and texting each other all the that. time. And exactly. Offering it with each other. And then how often do you and I say to each other, that's fair? Good point. Dude. That's true. Dude, that's like 90% of our text. <laughs> so just take that critical thinking a little bit further. Just ask why instead of stopping at the first thought that comes to your head and then being super critical off of it. Mm-hmm. So that said, the Bucks, um, Tim, appreciate it. A1, day one, baby. <laughs> so the Bucks have three games between now and next Wednesday. They play at Charlotte tomorrow, at Chicago on Friday, and home against the Clippers on Monday. I originally wrote two and one, and then I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, I think they're going to win both of the road games. And I don't think they're going to lose at home into the Clippers. You know, I think Doc Rivers gets a little bit of former coaching, you know, former team coaching thing, and the Bucks are at home, I, and that's that's enough for me. And Paul George is hurt, so that helps out. But yeah, um, which sucks. I, Paul George might be my favorite player on the Clippers. Uh, he's outside of Kawhi. I mean, there's not really many people I like. I mean, I like Russ, but he's kind of. Wild. I really like Terrence Mann. Like I wish we could steal him from the Clippers, but they seem to value him, even though they won't. Yeah, and I agree. I like PJ Tucker, but I mean, yeah, the free Clippers, Terrence man. I agree. Um, I respect yeah. Zubats. Uh, yeah, I'll say. I'll say. God, they're just a hodgepodge. Of just that's not working. I don't know what's going on. That's a conversation for a different day. But, they were five and zero after they went zero and five. Yeah, whatever. Um, I'll say 3-0 as well. I don't think we're losing at home, and I think we win both games. I mean, we're going to win by 30 tomorrow. I mean, you could write that one down. So, <laughs> All right. Well, other than that, we will be back on Friday night. Uh, Friday night, our Packers show is going to be pretty kind of just a pretty chill show. Um, yeah. We're just going to be reviewing our stat projections that we had at the beginning of the season um, and just kind of going through them and talking through them and why, you know, why we think some things happened the way that they did. And, um you know, maybe uh, maybe call out some of the four of us for what we had projected for, for some highs and some lows. Um, yeah. I know I'll have to answer for a little bit of my stuff on Jordan Love as far as yards go. But, um, 
Me too. Well, things happen. Shit happens, yeah. and we're going to talk about it. But yeah. I will say, overall, I think we did pretty good. I always think we are pretty good at those. The stat projection. I think we're fair. I think that we go under some things that maybe they go over, and we go over some things that are pretty damn close. So I don't think that we're ever outlandish or super homerish. No, no. Yeah, I, I don't think that we've ever been to a point where we were, like, unrealistic on anything. Yeah, I agree. Despite people saying that we were going to be or that A.J. Dillon was going to be the next Derrick Henry, but that's not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back on Friday. And then, like I said, we'll be back next Wednesday as well uh, with some more Bucks and Badgers. And then I will see you Friday night. All right, man. Take care. Thank you, everybody, for following along. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.